To see you fills my heart with joy. Um, I don't know about you, but whenever I go away on holiday, it's a wonderful opportunity to just to kind of declutter my mind and my heart and spend time with our family. It was a really good time. We haven't been away as a family for four years, and so it was really cool to have all of our, uh, to have our boys with us and just to reconnect together and feel a sense of being a family again. And getting out of your sort of usual environment is critical. It, it gives you an opportunity to step away and to reflect and to think and to reorientate yourself and to let God speak to you about what He has for your future. And uh, I really trust that as you've been away, that uh, your experience has, has been similar, that you feel, felt God speaking to you. If you haven't been away, about you, you're about to go away. I would encourage you to give yourself an opportunity to reflect on what God has for you. And there's a very simple thing that has become coming increasingly important to me in my life as I get older and older that I want to share about this morning, and that is the privilege of friendship, the privilege of church community, and that they are an incredible gift to our lives. And it's an incredible privilege to be part of a church community. And um, I find it's wonderful to get away, and you kind of, you, you, you want to kind of um, declutter your mind and your heart. And then after a period of time, I find myself thinking about people that I want to see again. Yes? And suddenly your heart is like, yeah, I really miss Maria. I want to see Maria again and, and have a cup of coffee. Or whoever it is in your life. Why? Because there's a deep thing in our hearts that God has connected us into community and we need relationship with each other. And that's an incredible friendship. Um, is an incredible privilege. And so <clears throat> Paul uses this phrase and says, to see you fills my heart with joy. And so I want to say as we come back, to see all of you fills my heart with joy. It's a wonderful thing to be part of a church community. And so that's what I want to speak to you about this morning. And to do that, let's kick off in Psalm 16. If you've got your Bible on your phone or in your hands, please turn with me to Psalm 16. And uh, I want to connect this morning, two very simple things. Our love for God with our love for each other, right? I love worship. I love to sing and, and uh, declare with my mouth that I love Jesus, and that's a beautiful thing. Worship is a beautiful thing. But I want to connect that upward love this morning with our love for each other, and the two are primarily connected. And this is what Psalm 16 says, the first three verses. David says this, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. That's a profound thing, isn't it? David's saying, God, you are the only good thing in my life. And then he says this at the same time. He says, as for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is my delight. You see, David's connecting the two. He's saying, God, I love you above all things, but these people, my delight is in these people. It's a beautiful thing. And so that's what I would like to talk to you very simply about this morning. You see, learning to live like that means that we don't only say, thank you, Lord, for this beautiful creation. Thank you for this rising sun. Thank you for your beautiful sunset. Thank you for the sea. That's what I did a lot this week, last week. Um, Matthew was um, showing us the stars at night because he's done a little bit of astronomy. And so we will we'll go up onto this little balcony, and it's dark, and you can just see the whole Milky Way. And you can see Jupiter, and you can see Mars, and you can see, what's it, Majora Minus and Majora Major, whatever it is. He knows all the names. And so we were just looking at this beautiful, beautiful creation of the Lord. You see, loving God, you can love God easily like that. And creation speaks of His glory, but it's, it's more than that. It's saying, 
at the same time learning to say, God, that's all you've done, but, but I love you. I thank you for who you are. I see your creation and all that it means, and I want to enjoy all of that, but I thank you for who you are. You are brighter than the brightest sun. You are more glorious than all of the stars. All of this beautiful creation I see is you reflecting yourself in glory. Yeah? It's like, it's, it's, it was good for me to say, Lord, thank you for my boys. Thank you for my wife. Thank you for my children. They are great gifts. But then it's also to connect and say, how amazing are you, Lord, that you create everlasting beings that are with us for a while and we get to enjoy them. How amazing are you, Lord? It's making that connection. And so I want to encourage us all this morning that as we start this new year and we get back into our school routine, that we choose, and I want to say this kindly to every one of you, every one of us is going to have to make a choice about how we orientate our week what we prioritize in our week, what we prioritize on a Sunday, what we choose to do with our time. And I want to encourage you this morning that as you orientate your life for the next school year, that right in the middle of your life, you choose to prioritize God's people, His community, and your love for Him, that you make it a foundational part. You know what I've seen over many years? You can send your kids to all the extramurals in the world. It doesn't prepare them for university when they have to stand on their own two feet and have a spiritual relationship with God that is not yours propping them up. You can put all your time into extramurals. I want to encourage you to put much of your time into God's community where you can put something deep into your children's lives that when they leave home, they will stand on their own. Yeah? You won't have to be terrified when they go to university. Why? Because you know they love God, and because they love Him, they will have a firm foundation on the, in their lives. Amen? And so that's the great prayer of my heart, that as we, as we learn to love God fully and in our language, remember we were, we were um, studying Philippians before the holidays. What does Paul say? Let me remind you again. Philippians 3. Whatever gain I had, I consider loss. For the sake of Christ, that indeed I count everything, all of this, I count as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. Let that become the prayer of all of our hearts. And so, let's learn to delight in God and let's learn to delight in each other. And um, this is what I'm trying to encourage you very simply in this morning. Is this not a contradiction? Um, is it not a contradiction to say we must love God passionately uh, and, and, and then love God's people? I, I don't think it is. You know, we were talking um, on, on holiday, you know, you can, you can start a movement now on Instagram or Twitter. You can just, you know, hashtag this, hashtag that. Well, there's a movement that we've been seen recently. It's called hashtag spiritual but not religious. Have you seen that little movement? You know what it's, it's saying? It's saying, uh, it sounds very wonderful, doesn't it? I, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. It sounds kind of, you know, I, I could go with that. I, I, I hope I'm not a religious person. I hope I'm a spiritual person. But really, when you see what it's saying, it's saying this. It's saying, I'm spiritual. I'm a spiritual being. I don't need religion. I don't need any organized church community. I can be with God by myself 
and I can relate to him, which is true. And I don't need anyone else. I'm spiritual. I'm not religious. I don't need organized church community. That's the whole tone of that thing. I wanted to say to you, I hope by the end of my message this morning, you will see how, how unbiblical, how ugly that is. It's the spirit of our age. It's not the spirit of the Bible. To be truly religious, to be truly spiritual rather, is to embrace God's people and learn to love them and learn to work it out with God's people. That's what true religion is. That's what Jesus said. True religion is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You see, giving into that kind of thinking is very selfish, isn't it? I can be with God by myself in my room as I'm surfing on the ocean. I can connect with God. I don't need religion. That's true in one way. I don't need organized church. That's true in one way. You can connect with God through creation and everything, but profoundly we connect with God through His people, and we learn to work it out with His people. And so I want to say at the same time, having said that, that there's also nothing intrinsically spiritual about meeting in small groups or, or meeting in, together during the week. It's, I mean, the Bible encourages us to do that, but there's nothing intrinsically spiritual in that of itself. Why do I say that? Well, those small groups happen in pubs every week. Those small groups happen in golf courses every week, where people in small groups meet with each other, and you play a round of golf, and you share about your life, and you say, this is really hassling me, and your buddy says, well, that's okay. You know, I've been through the same thing, and you try and encourage each other. Those kind of small groups or fellowship that I'm talking about this morning occurs all over our communities without the name of Jesus even being thought about. It's very possible that even in our church we could have small groups where there's no spiritual ambition, there's no spiritual atmosphere, where God's Word is kind of seen as an intrusion into our good time. You know, we like to get together during the week, but it's really just to hang out and be friends, but we don't speak about God too much, you know. The prayer is a little bit of an intrusion at the end of the, our time together. You see, so I'm not talking about that either. And I, but I, what I am trying to say to you is that actually if we look at what the, the Scripture is saying is that our love for God, which is this upward love for God, does not compete at all with our love for each other. And I want to put it to you that if we truly love God in this passionate, all-consuming way that sees Him as the Lord of creation and the wonderful Savior that we enjoy from day to day, it will be expressed in an increasingly deep, growing, passionate love for each other and for God's people and wanting to be with God's people. I'm absolutely convinced that's how it works. That's how the Bible paints a picture for us. And you and I, we have to prioritize our lives. We have to say no to some things so that we can say yes to other things. And that's the challenge as we think about our year together. And so uh, when I read Psalm 16, I think there's an answer to the question that I'm saying this morning, that it's possible to delight in each other and delight, delight in God without losing focus on God and without prioritizing relationship above God. But I don't know about you, but um, when I read this verse which says, whom, whom do I have in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Uh, uh, it makes me feel a little bit uncomfortable. Because, you know, I really like this life. <laughs> I really like it. I really like the beach. I really like swimming. I really like eating good food. I really like the beautiful sunset. I really like nature. I really like the stars in the skies. I've said already, I love those things. 
And so when I read that, it, I feel a little bit dishonest, you know, because there's some things that I really love about this world. And yet Paul, um, David says here, there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. But then when we read Psalm 16, the, the, the other verses, it says, um, in you I take refuge, you are my Lord, apart from you I have no good thing, but for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delights. And you see here, David is putting the two things together. He's recognizing who God is, and he's recognizing that true worship is also celebrating God's people. You know, that really encourages me, that really sets me free, because it means as we delight in each other's company, as we are good friends to each other, as we open our hearts to each other, as we share our lives with each other, we are, we are busy with an act of worship showing how passionate we, pa passionately we love the creator of all things. The two are connected. They're absolutely connected. You know, I've had this, learned this over many years as well. People say to me, you know, I love the big church gatherings. I love going. There's something amazing about worshiping with 10,000 people or 15, and absolutely there is. But then those same people don't want to work it out in a church community. Don't want to open their hearts to people in the church. Don't want to let anyone get to know them. Just want to be part of the big event. Big events are good. Opening to your heart to someone else can get to know you much better. Why? That's how the Bible works. We love God with all of our hearts. We love each other. And by loving each other, it means we open our hearts to each other and people get to know us. Have I been disappointed in my life in the church in friendship? Absolutely. Many times over. People I've opened my heart to thought oh, these are my friends. Not my friends. Turns out they're not. Is that hurtful? Absolutely hurtful. Does it mean that I do not believe in friendship? Absolutely not. I still have in my life people that have known me for 30 years in different parts of the world who have opened their hearts to me, and now they're leading churches or part of churches somewhere else, and I still believe that the basis of what we do is friendship. Friendship with God, friendship with each other. And I want to encourage you, if you want to be part of this church, you're going to hear me say that over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I believe. Friendship with God, friendship with each other. The basis of all that we do. In God's people is our delight. And so I want to encourage you that as we gather in, if, in small groups this year or whatever forum it is this year, I want to encourage you that all of our time together should be so saturated in God that even if we're making a casual remark about some sports, that's a sport uh, event that we've just witnessed and it's been precious to us, or we're talking about the, the most intimate part of someone's life where they're facing depression or something, or both of those things are related to God. And that's how we should view our lives, that everything that we do, everything that we have in our lives is an act of worship. And it's connecting us with God. As we love each other, we are expressing our love for God. And so, I want to say three things about joy, and then we'll finish this morning. You see, this is how joy comes into our lives. And, and Paul says this over and over. If, if our ultimate joy, uh, our, the ultimate object of our joy in our lives is God, and we want to worship Him, and we want to please Him in every way, 
we, we can see that worked out in small groups as, as we relate to each other. This is what I mean. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, he said this, Let your light shine amongst men that they might see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. You see, that doesn't just mean that we testify to unbelievers about the goodness of God in our lives and that brings glory to Him. That's not just talking about evangelism. It also refers to that, that um, kind of transaction that happens in a, in a smaller environment between believers that reflects the goodness of God to each other. That's what Paul is also, what Jesus is also meaning. When you see in a, in, in a small group context, when you see God moving in someone's life, it's like a mirror that is held up and you see that wonderful thing happening. And what does it do? It brings joy to you. There's a, you are encouraged by God's working in someone else's life. That's a profound thing that only happens as we open our hearts to each other. And so we can see this joy that comes when we see God's forgiveness or God's power, or God's wisdom or God's provision reflected in the lives of those that we are spending time with. You know, every time we get together as a small group or uh, with our leadership team and we pray about some pastoral concern or, or spiritual issue, and I see the reaction of people as tender and full of grace and uh, with a real desire and concern for people's faith, for people's well-being, I see the handiwork of God, and it, I, I, it's, it's, it, it produces joy in my life. It's such a wonderful thing. Let's never take it for granted. And so there's that immediate joy that we can see as we see God moving and reflected in um, someone's life. And the second way that we can see this joy reflected is sometimes um, it's not an immediate thing, but it's a deferred thing. And this is what I mean. I, I don't know about you, uh, but, you know, I'm not perfect. And if we were perfect people, our, our, our joy would be immediate. Our joy would be seen immediately as God speaks to us. There would be this immediate reaction. But none of us are perfect. We are all imperfect. And our sin in our lives manifests in our lives in a tendency to be lukewarm. If you're like me. In other words... We struggle to delight in God. We, we struggle to sometimes see the good things that God is doing in our lives. And so sometimes we come to a small group or we come to have dinner with someone and uh, we meet with them and our heart is not hot or cold. It's just blah. It's just blah. It's just lukewarm. It's just like neither hot nor cold. Do you know what I'm talking about? Of course you do. Because many of us can be like that. We can, oh, not, not life group again. I just don't feel like, oh, God. I've been like that, especially towards the end of last year uh, before we're going home. Not, oh, God, I just don't have grace. Please give me grace. Do you feel like that sometimes? I know you do because I feel like that as well. So if I feel like it, we all feel like that. And so there can be this kind of um, thing that we get together, and it's, it's like it's, not, it's just a little bit, little bit lukewarm, and uh, someone comes into the home group and says, I just want to share what God has done in my life, and they, they speak about some courageous act of witnessing where they spoke to someone, and God did something amazing through them being brave, or there's some relationship in their life that's been healed, or God's answered a prayer, and you kind of just feel, blah. It doesn't resonate. You don't feel anything. You see, that's because of our sin that God needs to help us with. But then, maybe later on, maybe even later that week, several days later, suddenly 
Something happens in your life and you relate back to what that person said and suddenly, boom, there's this joy that comes because they were brave enough to speak out what God had done in their lives. And even though you felt blur on the Wednesday night, now there's this joy that comes and you go, yeah, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. You ever experienced that? And so there's a deferred joy that comes as well. Sometimes it's immediate, sometimes it's deferred, but it comes as we open our hearts and our lives to each other and we work it out. And this is the third way. Oh, yes, I wanted to just give you a scripture for that. Remember 1 Thessalonians 5.14, where Paul says, We encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Yeah? Be patient with everyone. As we get to love each other, let's learn to be patient with each other so that we can see the fullness of joy in our lives. And the third way I just want to speak to you about how we can experience joy as we open our hearts to each other and live in community is that we ourselves can become the source of joy for someone else. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that a wonderful thought, that you in your life can become a source of joy for someone else? You know, uh, have you you've ever wondered about Acts 20, 35, when Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive? You know, often we think about that in terms of finances. You know, it's good to bless other people and give, which it is, absolutely. But you know, I think it's very powerful when you think about it in terms of joy. Yes? You get more joy if you think about giving joy to others more than you think about receiving it yourself. See, I think Jesus is also talking about that. And so before I go to any sort of meeting or small group, before I have people around to my home for dinner, uh, this, is, this needs to be my prayer. Lord, help me to listen. Help me, help me to hear what they really need. I know that your word is perfectly able to answer every question in this person's life. Take me away from being negative and critical Help me to be humble. Help me to be a listener. Help me to really understand what this person needs from you right now. Yes? And so, that's how God uses us to bring joy to other people. If we live like that, if we hear like that, if we, if we think like that, and when he does, our own joy is made full. There's something brilliant, something marvelous about being a conduit in your life that brings joy to others. Uh, we were at Matt and Kaz's wedding last night, Matthew Case, who was part of our church. And you know, for me, it was such a demonstration of beautiful church community. Why? Because they're both Christians, they both love the Lord, they've been part of different church communities, and there was just this collection of believers and non-believers from all over their, their kind of friendship base, and when we were in the church, there was genuine worship, there was genuine celebration, it was so relaxed, it was so happy. I met a friend that I haven't seen for 20 years at this wedding, and he said to me, what I loved about today was the joy of church community. And I haven't seen these people for 20 years, and yet God did something in my heart. And this is what I long for more than anything else. You know, I want to say this kindly. When you're in your 20s and your 30s, if you were like me, you think you, you can do it all by yourself. You think if I just try hard and I do well, I'm going to be good in my business. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be cool. I was talking with this friend about, we, used to, we both used to play in bands, and the band he played in did really well. And he said to me, he said, I was always living for the next thing. 
always living for the next step. The band was going to be bigger than it was. We we're going to be more successful than, it, than we were. And he said, I've learned now that actually what I should have done, I should have enjoyed the moment of what it was. Because maybe it didn't become anything more than it was at that moment. And so I think that's a lesson for all of us, isn't it? To live our lives in a present way where we're enjoying people, enjoying each other, not always waiting for the next thing when it gets better. This is the next thing. This is the thing that we need to be enjoying. This is our lives. We don't want to look back in 10 years and say, I was always longing for it to get better. This is it. Let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy each other. Let's enjoy life. Why? Because when we enjoy each other, we are enjoying the one who's created all things and given us each other. We are enjoying, it's an act of worship as we meet together, as we open our hearts, as we love, as we joke, as we speak about the football. It's an act of worship. Why? Because we are loving God as we do that. And so, become a source of joy to someone this year. Let your life be a conduit so that you can bless others by listening, by caring. Lastly, I want to just, you know, Paul is a hero of mine, and uh, the more that I read the Scripture, aside from Jesus, Paul is the most amazing person. And uh, sometimes we think of Paul as a brilliant sort of theologian and a thinker, which he was. He was also a workaholic. He probably would have been counseled in our modern day to take a break because he worked so hard. But unlike most workaholics, unlike most intellectuals, Paul loved people. He loved more than anything else to be with people. And his heart was knit with people that he worked with. And I love his language. Let me just give you a couple of scriptures of Paul speaking about how much he loves people. See, this is what I, the, the great disconnect with this kind of, you know, I'm spiritual but not religious. When I look at the scripture and I see people that genuinely love God with all of their hearts, what, how, is that, how is that expressed more than anything else? They love people. They wanted to be with people. They wanted to be with God's people. They wanted to encourage God's people. Why? Because they loved God with all of their hearts. And listen to Paul's language, Philippians 4. I have to start with Philippians because we're finished with Philippians. Last. Now let me reference Philippians again. Philippians 4.9. What you have learned and received and heard from me and seen God do in me, do and the God of peace will be with you. So Paul's encouragement is, Everything that you've seen in my life, I want you to copy that, imitate that, because when you do that, God's peace is going to be with you. How many of you want peace in your lives? How many of you want joy? Well, let's, let's, let's see what what's Paul's ad, attitude was. Look at Romans. I love Romans 1. He says this. This speaks of the love that he has. He says, I long to see you. Yeah? I long to see you. How, you know, man, I tell you what, you know, I've been around Pentecostal churches for many years, and Pentecostal people always praying for revival, and I've got nothing against revival. I think revival is a brilliant thing, and I, I, I hope one day I will experience revival. I want to say this, if all of us long to be with God and longed to be with each other, as Paul says here, I think revival would come. More than anything, we just want to be with God, and we just want to be with His people. We just want to love each other and love God. I think revival would come. I long to see you, says Paul. Why? So that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. 
Paul is saying, I want to be with you, not for myself, but so that you can get strong. I know I've got something. There's some joy in my life that God has given me that I can impart to you by grace. And when you're with me, your joy is going to increase. That's what Paul is saying. I, I want to be with you. I long to be with you because God has done something in me. And with confidence, I can say the grace of God is going to give that to you as well. And we can, our joy can increase. Come on now. This is good news. That we might be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I love uh, later in, in Romans, he says this. Strive together with me in your prayers that by God's will I might come with joy to be with you and be refreshed in your company. Isn't that cool? Paul says, you know, when I go to church, I'm refreshed. When I'm with God's people, I'm refreshed. I love to be with God's people because they refresh me. There's something about God's people that encourages me, builds me up. Let it be so for us. What about the, when he writes to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 6? He says, my heart is wide open to you. Open your heart to me. Open wide your heart to me, says Paul. There's a longing in this man for relationship. He understands theologically more than any of us ever will about what the church should be and what Jesus has given as a revelation. But the more than anything else, he wants to be with God's people. I long to be with you. Open your heart to me. I've opened my heart to you. Let it be the same for us. What about when he writes to the Thessalonian church? You go and do an exercise. I've just chosen some letters. You can find all this language in all the letters that Paul's written. Thessalonians, he says, We were gentle amongst you, like a nurse taking care of her children. We desired you with affection. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel, not only these thoughts about Jesus, the stuff about being saved, we wanted to share that gospel with you, but we wanted to share ourselves with you because you have become very dear to us. Come on, man. This is the church. You've become very dear to us. That's why we wanted to be with you, says Paul. Let it be the same for us. Lastly, and then we're going to have some coffee. Paul's last letter he wrote was to Timothy, to this young man that he was trying to encourage. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, he says this, I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as did my father, when I remember you constantly in my prayer, as I remember your tears, I long day and night to see you. I long day and night to see you that I may be filled with joy. Amen. This is church life. This is why we get together. This is why we open our hearts to each other. This is why we build. And I want to encourage you, whatever small group or whatever community you get involved with, get involved in some community. Why? Because it's going to fill your life with joy. It will. And you will become a source of joy to other people. And you will be an encouragement to other people. And then we can say, just as Paul has said, to, fill, to see you fills my heart with joy. It's good to be back. It's good to see your smiling faces. It's, 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 uh, it's been sad to say goodbye to Andy and Leah, but I know that our lives will cross sometime in the future. Why? Because God builds into our hearts as we open our hearts to each other. Josh and Becca are going back to America in a couple of weeks. We're going to... Sorry? 
in about a month, and we're going to have to say goodbye to them. They also become dear friends this year. But our hearts are connected, and our hearts will always be connected. And if I see them again in five years or ten years or two years, there'll be that same joy. Why? Because we are sons and daughters of the same king, the Lord of all creation. So I want to encourage you this year, as you express your love in worship, express your love for God and how you love other people, how you open your heart to them, how you encourage them, how you become a source of joy for others. Amen. God bless you. So should we pray? You can, if you want to applaud, that's cool. I don't mind. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we do want to just thank you for your goodness in, your, in our lives. Thank you for blessing us with so many good things. <clears throat> thank you for beautiful creation. Thank you for the stars in the sky. Thank you for beaches. Thank you for great food. Thank you for wonderful friends. Thank you for rest. Thank you for recreation. Thank you for work. Thank you for provision. Thank you for every good thing that you pour out in our lives. And I want to pray, Lord, that you'd continue to bless our church with deep friendship, that truly we would see the connection between worship and loving you with all of our hearts and loving each other. And I pray, Lord, that we would continue to open our hearts, continue to, to uh, love deeply from the heart with great affection. Uh, and as we do that, we thank you, Lord, that great joy comes to our own lives. And we want to once again just, Lord, say thank you for the, the present that we live in. We don't want to just be living for that day in the future sometime. We want to live now. We want to live with joy right now. And I pray that whatever <clears throat> pain we might have had <clears throat> in the past would not, us, would not hold us back from loving deeply from the heart. It's your way. Uh, you so love the world that you gave your son. You didn't hold back. And Jesus, even when they were cursing you on the cross and uh, ridiculing you after you'd been beaten, you didn't hold back. You said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And so, Lord, we want to have that same attitude. We want to forgive quickly and continue to love because you first loved us. And I pray, Lord, that this year we would have magnificent, joyful, liberating friendships in this church, that what you've built for years, you just add another level of friendship and intimacy and joy as we love you with all of our hearts, that we would love each other with all of our hearts. And we trust you. You are good to us and a good father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.